0: You're listening to Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Bob Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. I was introduced to the Negro Leagues as a youngster when I watched the barnstorming games with my stepdad in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, as the black teams took the white teams to the cleaners. It was some of the best baseball I've ever seen played, but what impressed me even more was the gentlemanly behavior of the black players. They were frequently cursed and mocked by the opposing team and fans, and there was not one retaliation. God, was I impressed. Those images remain with me till I die. Tonight, we have some
1: wonderful guests, including future Hall of Famer Leon Day, who lives right here in Baltimore. I'll read off a list of his wondrous accomplishments on the mound and at bat in just a little bit. But before I forget, let me tell you that Leon came to the studio in the style to which he should be accustomed by Ron Renolf's Chesapeake Limousine Service with brother Frank at the wheel. And let me tell you, hiring a limo is not as expensive as you may think. Certainly, it's not free. Tonight it was, actually. It was Charity of Ron. Thank you, Ron. And it's well worth the satisfaction, particularly on special occasions of not dealing with directions, parking, losing
0: your car. And we've used the services of Chesapeake Limo for about 20 years. Assisting Leon is the president of American baseball classics, Lee Sherman, whose establishment is down there at the Inner Harbor. Lee brought some Negro baseball caps and photographs. To be awarded his prizes tonight and on future programs and to tell us a little bit about his store, another guest this hour will be baseball historian Todd Bolton, chairman of the Negro League Committee of the Society for American Baseball Researcher, Sabre. Todd will update us on the symposium taking place February the 8th, 9th. Next week, called The Athlete in Black America 1850-1950, to taking place at the John Brown Museum in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia.
1: Also joining us tonight will be many of the people who contributed to making Leon Day's Day. Our day, too. Such a great success. It was a thrill for everybody. If you saw Leon on TV, you noticed he was wearing a Newark Eagles baseball jersey. In fact, he's wearing it again tonight. Still looks clean, pressed, wonderful. Guess you haven't pitched many games in it yet, huh?
0: Nope.
1: No dust on it yet. This shirt was created especially for Leon with his own personal number 10 on the back. Jerry Cohen of Ebbets Field Flannel will stop by for a few minutes. And atop Leon's head, he's got it on tonight, too. It's going to be warm, I think, a little bit, these wool caps. You saw a Newark Eagles cap courtesy of Steve
0: Valeri's Roman Ink. And Sandlot legends Neil Lester, who, boy, what a commercial we got here, huh, friends? But all these guys donated stuff. Sandlot legends Neil Lester, who manufacture Negro League pennants, will stop by to present one of Newark Eagles pennants, to Leon Day. By the way, these pennants, hats, shirts, photos of these players, and much more are all available locally at Lee Sherman's store, American Baseball Classics, down where? At the Inner Harbor, of course. And the second hour, we'll be joined by Hall of Famer Monty Irvin, who will give us a player's comparison view of the Negro Leagues versus the white major leaguers. Third hour, we'll hear from Larry Lester, treasurer and historian of the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, for the historical and researcher's view of black baseball in America. We especially look forward to your calls that hour. And, of course, Leon Day and Todd Bolton are invited to stay with us. Through the entire program, but I don't think we're going to make it through the entire show. It depends on how much energy we got, right, guys? We apologize, friends, for the lengthy introduction tonight, but realizing how few of you listeners were aware of the Negro Baseball Leagues, much less the star player who resides to this day right here in Baltimore, we decided to fill you in before we get down to business. Leon Day was born in Alexandria, Virginia on October 30th, 1916. A versatile player, Leon played both second base and the outfield in his 22-year career. He was a switch hitter who was consistently around the 300 mark. One time, Day was locked in a 0-0 pitching battle with his old rival, Satchel Paige. Leon settled matters by homering off Satch in a ninth inning to score the game's only run and pocket the victory. As a matter of fact, day won three out of four starts against Page, and his seven. East-West All-Star Game appearances stand as a record for the Negro Leagues.
1: Leon played professional baseball for 22 years, summer and winter, in half a dozen countries. He appeared in a record seven Negro League All-Star Games between 1935 and 1946 and set an All-Star record by striking out a total of 14 batters. His best season was in 1937 when in league play he finished the 61-game season going 13 to 0 with a point 320 average. You know, I was telling Leon I made this terrible mistake when I was making a comment on his wonderful Leon Day Day, and I said his batting average, I abbreviated 3-0, and I really did mean 300, and I said I was so terribly embarrassed, I got it right tonight, a 320 average. During winter ball in 1939 to 1940, Leon Day established a new Puerto Rican league record for strikeouts in a single game with 19. He also led the league that winter with 168 strikeouts. In 1942, Leon Day established a Negro league record by striking out 18 Baltimore Elite Giants in a single game. Later that year, 1942, during the All-Star Game, he and Satchel Paige each entered the game against each other in the seventh inning with the score tied 2-2. Leon faced seven batters, struck five of them out, the last four in succession to end the game and beat Paige 5-2. In
0: 1942, Leon was named to the Pittsburgh Couriers All-Star Um, Boy, we got a lot of stuff on you, I'm (laughs) telling you. American team for the Negro Leagues. Day and Page were rated the two best pitchers, with Day being rated over Page. The paper said, quote, Leon Day is the best pitcher in Negro baseball, despite the fact that he is, was used daily either as a pitcher, outfielder, or infielder. In 1943, the, day, the year I was born, he was named by the Pittsburgh Courier as the Outstanding Moundsman in Negro Baseball. In 1946, after two and a half years in the Army, listen to this, guys, Leon came back and pitched an opening day no-hitter against the Philadelphia Stars. He went 9-4 and four that year with a measly 4.69 batting average topping the league that season in wins, strikeouts, innings pitched and complete games. And in
1: 1951 at the age of 35 with Toronto in the Triple A International League, Leon finished the season with a 1.58 earned run average. Leon Day spent the latter part of his career pitching as you call it Triple A, can I call yeah. it that? Uh-huh. Triple-A, sounds... Well, I know what that is. Triple-A baseball for Winnipeg and Brandon in the Canadian League and finally retired at the age of 41 in 1956. Day began his playing career with the Baltimore Black Sox in 1934, the same year they moved to Chester, Pennsylvania. He returned in 1949 to play for the champion Baltimore Elite Giants. Most of his playing years, however, were spent with the Newark Eagles.
0: Monty Irvin says quote, Day was as good as or better than Bob Gibson, Larry Doby notes that, quote, he didn't see anybody in the major leagues that was better. Well, welcome to 21st Century Radio's Hieronymus and Company, where knowledge comes first, future Hall of Famer Leon Day.
1: That was a fine time you've been having the last couple days, Leon. And we understand it's far from over because Governor William Donald Schaefer has something special planned for you in the weeks ahead.
0: Leon... In your opinion, what was the difference between black and white professional ball?
2: Well, the difference was the the playing fields and the money, mm-hmm. the
0: pay. Yeah,
2: that was the difference.
0: You you guys were making a lot more money than the white players, right? Oh, a lot <laughs> that <more. laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I bet you
2: were.
1: What was different about the field?
2: Well, they had better diamonds to play on. Their diamonds were. You know, smoother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they were the same sizes? Same size, bases and everything, same thing, but we played on some rough diamonds.
0: Y- yeah, I bet you did play on some rough and
2: diamonds. And
1: the, the pitching was a lot different, wasn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Pitching yeah. was for real. They would throw at the batters, you know, and uh, try to knock them down and brush them back and things like
0: that. And that was legal, right?
2: That was legal, yeah. The so umpires it- wouldn't say a word.
0: Wouldn't say a word, and some, and, no. and even even the uh, managers would say, "Throw at him, right. right?" And it was your job to throw at him, where you're you're That's in right. trouble, right?
1: So not only just stand up and try to hit the ball, but you had to be careful you didn't get killed in the process. Yeah,
2: be ready to duck at all times. Did you all wear batting
1: helmets? No. No, even no batting helmets either.
2: One guy, Willie really Wells, wore miner's helmet. You know, one of mm-hmm. miner's cap. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was the first one I seen to wear. Wear a helmet.
1: He must have been one of the first to get hit hard in the head. <laughs> and he said, I think I need protection from that.
0: Now, there are there are some other pitches that were legal in the Negro <laughs> Leagues that uh, the white leagues weren't allowed to throw. Tell us a little bit about those, uh, what we call illegal pitches.
2: Well, there was uh, sandpaper. They'd use sandpaper to rough the ball up. What would that do when they did that? Uh, it'd make the ball, the, the wind get in the, the cut, mm-hmm. or the rough on the ball and make it move.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, you hold the cut up. Yeah. It'll go down. You hold it down, it'll go up. Whoa. Hold it on the side, it'll go that way, you know. And they would use uh, needles. Needles? Gramophone needles, stick it down in the, in the, down into the ball. Yeah. That'll make it move. That'll make it move, too. Whoa, boy. Um, Vaseline. Vaseline? Yeah. Oh, my heavens. Put a little Vaseline on his leg and just do like that. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that'll how do goes. it. Yeah, That'll do it all right. What about spiking? spiking. You know, you know re- the reason why I say this is most people like to say, hot tie Cobb. He was one of the toughest base runners in the whole wide world because he'd spike you every now and then.
2: Well, what about spiking in the Negro Leagues? Well, you, if it's, you got spiked, you spiked. See, what we'd do is try to get you. Uh-huh. If you spike one of my players, then then everybody's after you.
1: You have any scars?
2: Oh, you know, yeah. I've got scars. I've been
1: spiked. So, if you were, let's say, running around to first, the first baseman could spike you as you go to hit the base.
2: No, he'd have to look out for me spiking him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, sharpening sharpening your spikes was a normal yeah, thing. Yeah, You know, a lot of people make a lot of Ty Cobb sitting over there with his file, right, Todd? Uh, sharpening his spikes, but from what I understand. Most of the players carried little files in their back pocket and sharpened up door in between in between Baseball was a dangerous game yeah, It was, yeah, yeah. I'll say. Well, we've kind of cleaned it up a little bit. Now, as we noted, you you guys made outstanding salaries, didn't you, Leon? You were. Oh yeah, I started out with sixty dollars a month. Sixty dollars a month. Yeah. Do you think Eddie Murray will play for sixty dollars a month? <laughs> What about food money? You got some food money? Oh, a there. dollar a day. Dollar a day. Well, that'd yeah. buy you almost a half a loaf of bread these days, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So the food, the, obviously, salaries weren't the reason why you were playing.
2: No, we played because we loved the game.
0: You loved the game, yeah. yeah. Now, the length of the playing season for good players, because there is a big difference between the length of the playing season for good players and the average players. Is that right? Right. Right. What happened? Why, what happened to you say you finished your your uh, season with uh, with the uh, Newark Eagles you guys won the championship you' then you go
2: where what do you do we go to Puerto Rico. go to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. some guys go to Cuba- mm-hmm. they'll go down play in the winter-hmm uh,
0: you also played in a number of other places besides Puerto Rico where else you play
2: uh, Cuba Mexico Venezuela down south. Were right. the rules the same
1: down there, like the spiking, the throwing the ball at the players?
2: Not as much as in the Negro Leagues. Mm-hmm. Because of when we went down, it was only three three Americans on on a team. Oh, that,
0: that's right. They wouldn't allow more than a certain more than order, right? Three. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because
1: what? the American teams were better, and they didn't want you to overstock yeah. the fields. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, friends, I know we're coming up on a break here. As a matter of fact, we're just about a little bit past our time of our break. We're going to take a pause here. We're going to pay for this show, and we'll be right back. We're talking all three hours tonight
1: about Negro baseball legends with Leon Day, right now, former star of the Newark Eagles and many other contributors.
0: All right, friends, are you ready to win another prize? Get your notes out from last week's show. Listen to what you're going to win. A Negro League baseball cap courtesy of Lee Sherman, and American Baseball Classics down there at the Inner Harbor, a signed Leon Day card from the Ron Lewis Collection, a signed copy of Leon Day's Statistics and Biography compiled by Todd Bolton, a Negro League Baseball Museum brochure, that's correct, friends, an Ebbets Field Flannel catalog, and a Josh Gibson baseball card from Eclipse Books, all six items. You should have taken notes. All right. Now, friends, we do have an important person on the line we want to get to immediately. His name is Jerry Cohen. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Jerry. Because one of the most painful things I learned about the Negro Baseball Leagues is that not only were they not given pensions, but they were commonly not allowed to keep their own uniforms. Isn't that, isn't that something, guys? We wanted to have Leon dressed in a Newark Eagles shirt for Leon Day Day, so we turned to Jerry Cohen. President of Ebbetsfield Flannel in Seattle, Washington, to help. Ebbetsfield Flannel created a special shirt for Leon with his own number 10 on the back, together with a replica of his cap. And those of you who saw Leon Day last Friday on the nightly news on all four TV stations in Baltimore have already seen Jerry's handiwork. So we asked Jerry to stop by so we could thank him for his generosity. Welcome to 21st Century Radio's Hieronymus and Company, where knowledge comes first, Jerry.
3: Hi, how
0: you doing, Bob? Oh, we're doing about an A-plus right now, and that, I seldom even get to an A, Jerry. I've
3: been listening. It's fascinating.
0: Well, your shirts and hat made a great impression not only on us, but also on the hundreds of thousands of viewers who saw them. In fact, if you look through your speaker, can you look through the speaker right there? Uh, I'm doing see, that right now. <laughs> you can see your beautiful shirts being worn right now by Leon, Zoe, our executive producer, and myself, a 21st century radio, <laughs> radio ball team. Uh, Very quickly here, when did you begin manufacturing these items, uh, Jerry? Uh, Back in
3: 1987.
0: And why did you get involved in creating baseball memorabilia?
3: Um, Personally, I love the old uniforms, um, and I thought this would be a great way to pay homage to some of the great players of the Negro Leagues. Mm -hmm. I have a
1: question. Were all the old uniforms wool?
3: They were all wool flannel up until about 1971.
1: I mean, it's remarkable. They're beautiful. We're wearing them now, but they must have been hot as hell in the summer. Um, The earlier
3: ones, before World War II, were were heavier. They're even heavier than the ones you have on. Mm. And Mm. after the war, they started blending in um, some nylon and a little cotton, and they got them a little more wearable.
1: Now, in terms of making these uniforms, what's their cost?
3: The cost to us? um, They vary anywhere from about $50 up to $100 just to make, because what we do is we, we reproduce them authentically exactly as the players wore them. So all the uh, original embroidery and sleeve patches and felt sewn on lettering, um, we recreate.
1: Tell us a little bit about some of the new items you're offering.
3: Well, we've got a lot of new things coming out. Um, one that uh, you might be interested in in your area, we've got the road jersey of the Baltimore Eli Giants from the 1940s coming out.
0: That's the one we're wearing now, isn't it, dear? Uh, right.
3: I think you've got the home one there. Oh, um,
1: it's beautiful. It's a yeah. sort of pinstripe with right. blue and red trimming. Right. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's the health patch on the arm?
3: The health patch was a morale campaign during uh, World War II, and that began in 1942, and it was just to try to generate an interest um, in health the country. Very interesting. Yeah, and I think it tied in with uh, with the war effort.
1: Okay, so you have the road shirt,
0: and what else?
3: Um, lots of new items from the Negro Leagues. Um, we've got a great jacket from the New York Cuban Stars. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: oh, boy, you've got some great items in your catalog.
3: And uh, also in your area, again, the uh, the old Baltimore Orioles from the International League. We've got a couple of shirts.
0: Oh, really? Uh, from the 30s and 40s. Right? Oh, that sounds terrific. And then those of you friends who are interested in Field flannels, We're giving out their catalogs to all of our winners tonight and in future weeks of our programming, as long as they last. And don't forget, you can call us here any time for repeats of any phone numbers or addresses we give out over the year. Jerry, we want to thank you very much for for helping us in Leon Day Day here in Baltimore and dressing us all up just fine.
3: My pleasure. Um, Leon, what was your number with Toronto?
0: Uh, I think it was number eight.
3: Number eight? I'm going to send you one of those, too. I didn't know you played for them.
0: Oh, okay. terrific! Hey, what,
1: what other right teams, here? Leon? Maybe you rack up a whole league here of shirts. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> we'll give you all the rest of the numbers.
0: All <laughs> oh, right. Well, Jerry, we may be knocking on your door uh, again sometime in the future to see what we can put if we can put uh, uh, Dick Powell in one of his Baltimore Elite Giants shirts because we're going to—he's going to have—and he doesn't know this now because he's probably not listening—but he's going to have his own day come at the end of the month. Can you help us out on that? I sure can. Thank you very much, Jerry Cohen of Ebbets Field Flannels. We very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Take care. Thank you. Leon,
1: um, let's can we get a little bit back to daily life in baseball well, or are we I going need, somewhere else? Yes,
0: and then we want we wanna to go to Todd Bolton. I wanna talk with him a bit and then we have another presentation to Leon. Leon's consented to stay on with us a little longer into the second hour with Monty Irvin. Haven't you, oh, Leon? Good. Yes, he has. He's full of energy now, friends. It's <laughs> right? warming up. We see him swinging that arm, getting ready to go. And, and Todd's going to be sticking around. Right, Todd? Can you? Cause, yeah, I, we really appreciate it because we all have an awful lot of things to cover right about here. Now, where are we? Well, we haven't really talked about
1: what life was like during baseball oh. season for you, your travel, food, the segregation, the length of the season. Why don't you tell us what it was like?
2: Well, uh, in the South, it was pretty rough because we had to, you know, we couldn't get in place to sleep mm. and we couldn't go in the restaurant. You could go in, but you had to bring the food out. So we wouldn't eat in them, you know. We'd go to a grocery store and get the bologna, cheese, milk, onion, loaf of bread, and eat in the bus.
1: And you basically went from one game into the car, You and lots of times you did. You traveled seven or eight men in a car, right?
2: Yeah. Not well, always a bus. Thing, when I first started, we were riding cars.
1: And so you right. all would follow one another from town to town, right. stop when you could in a place you could find. Right. How did it feel then as as you approached a field? I mean, to me, feelings are something that never leave you. When you finally got to the field and you could put the travel behind you, what was the first things you all did?
2: Well, the first thing we did, we put on our uniforms and go out and start practicing. You know, run around, mm-hmm. loosen up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: How long were your warm-up periods? Different from modern times?
2: Not about the same. We have infield about 10 minutes. Uh-huh.
0: Now, you faced some mighty tough batters. <laughs> Josh Gibson, Buck Leonard, Roy Campanella. Who was, in your opinion, the toughest to handle, and how did you pitch to him?
2: Well, Buck was the toughest of those three. Those three. Uh, I had to pitch Buck high and inside. Yeah, I would have recommended that myself. Yeah, high and inside. Yeah. Because uh, he could hit a fastball. Sometimes we change up on him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Good fastball yeah.
1: What was your favorite pitch to throw? Fastball. That was your best, huh? Yeah.
0: Did you put any needles in that ball? No, no. Never. No, he isn't. he's not a needler there. No, I never missed a beat. No. That's a good thing you didn't. <laughs> One way or the other. Our friends, we do have a winner, so you folks can stop calling out there. Uh, let's quickly put the winner on line, ask him the question, and then move on, because we want to get to Todd Bolton. Is this Luigi? Yes,
1: it is.
0: You've just won a whole bunch of stuff. A Negro League baseball cap courtesy of Lee Sherman, a signed Leon Day card from Ron Lewis Collection, signed copy of Leon Day's st- stats and bio compiled by Todd Bolton, a Negro League baseball museum brochure, an Abbotsfield flannel catalog, and a Josh Gibson baseball card from Eclipse Books. All six items are yours. Hey, Luigi, are you
1: a baseball fan?
0: Yes, I am.
1: You have any question for Leon Day?
0: I just, you know, I've I've read about the, you
4: know, the Negro leagues and everything, and I think uh, his records were uh, fantastic, and I and I want to congratulate him on his uh, on everything he's done on his accomplishments. God bless everybody.
2: Thank you very much. Now, before we get
0: to uh, some of those other prizes, I must pull Todd Bolton on the microphone. Come on over here, Todd. Batter up, airtime. Yeah, how's your curveball there, Todd? All right. <laughs> turn, turn the
1: mic a little more towards you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to
0: speak yeah. right into that microphone there. there yeah. Don't go. be afraid of that. You can eat it up there. As you probably know, this is the beginning of Black History Month, and one good way to celebrate it is taking place on February 8th and 9th in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, at the John Brown Museum. It's called The Athlete in Black America 1850 to 1950. It's a symp- it's called oh, it's a symposium and joining us here to tell us about it is Todd Bolton, chairman of the Negro League Committee of the Society for the American Baseball Research. Did I get that right?
5: Uh, I'm, a, I'm a member. Dick Clark is our chairman. Oh. I'm a member of the Negro League Committee. Well, if
0: Dick's going to beat me up now that I made you chairman. I'll protect oh. you, honey.
1: <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> we'll get you. out both your bats. Yeah, I got my Leon <laughs> One Day back you now.
0: All right, friends. Todd has been limoed around with Leon Day this weekend. And again, we owe our thanks to Chesapeake Limo Service and Ron Renoff. Todd, who is sponsoring this symposium?
5: Uh, It's being sponsored by the National Park Service, the Harpers Ferry Historical Association, Jefferson County NAACP, and FOCUS, a local substance abuse prevention organization in in the area.
1: Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is scheduled for the symposium?
5: Well, we're pretty excited about it. We've got a lot of special guests coming in. We're not only focusing on Negro League baseball, but also on black professional basketball before the color barrier was broken. So we have uh, Leon Day... Uh, From the Newark Eagles, uh, his uh, teammate Max Manning, Hmm. Uh, Wilmer Fields from the Homestead Grays will be coming in, Jim Cohen from the Indianapolis Clowns, and Zach Clayton, who played with a number of Negro League teams. He also played professional basketball, and he was also the first black professional boxing referee. In American history, and then a number of uh, members of the Harlem Renaissance Five. In fact, we're going to have five of the six living members of the Harlem Renaissance Five teams of the 1920s and the 1930s. So it should be a real exciting weekend with some great, great professional Black athletes. Mm,
0: I'm telling you, that sounds terrific. Now, uh, you uh, you answered most of my questions. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> what are the what are the costs and who do you contact
5: well there's there's no charge for the symposium no the, charge uh, excuse me no charge no charge for the symposium at all just uh, you come into the park and it's the uh, you would pay the park entrance fee and mm-hmm. uh, you know that's $5 per vehicle but the symposium is just a it's an activity you come in come and go as you like that evening we will have a banquet that's sponsored by the historical association and the NAACP, the cost for the banquet is $15. But the, the daily activities, uh, daily activities, there's uh, uh, no charge at all for that.
0: Now, I understand there's another important project that will be culminating this April the 4th in Baltimore, and we're going to have you on the show again, not just our local show, but our national show on this. It's called the Ben Taylor Memorial. Briefly, who was Ben Taylor, and why is the memorial necessary?
5: Well, Ben Taylor was one of the uh, greatest first basemen in Black baseball history. He, uh, he, and Buck Leonard are generally considered the the two greatest first basemen. Uh, they didn't play during the same period. Ben started his career in 1908 with the Birmingham Giants and was really wrapping his career up when Buck started. In fact, mm-hmm. he was Buck's first professional manager here in Baltimore with the Baltimore Stars in 1933. Wow. Uh, ben, after coming here in 1926, spent the rest of his life in Baltimore and is buried here in Arbutus Memorial Park. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was exploring the graveyard and discovered that uh, he didn't have a gravestone, he didn't have a number, he didn't have anything. It was an unmarked grave. So. Uh, got together, talked to Monty, and Leon, and some of the others, and uh, we decided we would start a committee to raise funds to mark his grave, and we've been very successful in our efforts, and we have a ceremony planned for Saturday, April 4th at 1 p.m. at the Arbutus Memorial Park to formally dedicate the Ben Taylor Memorial. My Friends, I, I'd
0: like to invite everyone. We're definitely going. I'm going to wear my hats and shirts and everything else especially since it's just before the opening day. That's right. And Todd's going to return with us in future shows to discuss this and other
1: projects. Now, if you have an interest in black baseball, you should join the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City, Missouri, and lend them your support to educate Americans about these forgotten sports heroes. And the telephone number at the Negro League Baseball Museum is area code 816-221-1920. That's 816 816- 221-1920. And Larry Lester, their president,
0: will be with us tonight at midnight. Ah, yes. Midnight with Larry Lester. All right. Let's get back to Leon Dane. then I want to talk with our good first personal friend, Lee Sherman. We got one minute? Yeah, we got one minute. All right. Um, let's get back to what? Uh, break? You're going to give me a break now? All right. We're breaking now, friends. I've been overruled and thrown out. How do you like that? Thrown out of the plate. <laughs> at least you made it that far. Yeah. Yes, friends. What's a ball game without a pennant? Well, when I first located an original Baltimore Elite Giants pennant for purchase, I realized it was a rare find indeed. But I didn't want to pay a hundred bucks for it. No, I didn't want to. Todd Bolton told me he got a. You used to get them for 10 bucks. Is that right? Oh, my. I got but them for 10 Soon after, fame. however, I discovered that the, the original pennants have been reproduced and are truly affordable at $17 each. I've been waving mine around for about a month now. And tonight, Neil Lester of Sandlot Legends is presenting one of these beauties to Leon Day, a pennant from his former team, the Newark Eagles. Welcome to 21st Century Radio on WCBM, Neil. Thank you, Bob. Neil, what other pennants are available?
3: Well, we currently have seven. Uh, the teams are the Baltimore Elite Giants, the Homestead Grays, the New York Black Yankees, the Philadelphia Stars, New York Cuban Stars, and of course the New York Eagles.
0: Now we're presenting a Newark Eagles pennant to Leon Day thanks to Sandlot Legends and Neil Lester. Neil, we're going to move on here and we want to thank you very much for stopping by. You're very welcome. Okay. Get out there and strike them out there, Neil. Okay, Neil's going out to the mound now, friends. Now we can get back to one or two questions, right, dear?
1: Yeah, well, we have, um, we're have. we being pointed to.
0: Is oh, there something John. you need from us? John wants to go on the line here? All right, well, look, we're going to be generous. We're going to let John come on, because John must have been uh, involved in this one way or the other back in the old days. Hello, John.
1: Yes, good, John. good evening. Speak up. Good evening.
0: Good evening.
4: Uh, back in the early 20s, when I was just a shaver, I know that uh, there was a baseball that was colored brown, mm. not dark brown, but I'd say medium. I want to know if anyone has known anything about that or whether it was just
5: a, <laughs> just an unusual thing.
0: Well, Leon's shaking his head no. Todd? How about
5: you, Todd? Uh, they, uh, the balls were shellacked in the past uh, in order to preserve them a little longer. Back, uh, back in the teens and the 20s, you used to see people shellack them, and they could yellow to a, you know, Mm-hmm. And look a uh, light brown or tan when they were shellacked. Yeah,
0: but I think what he's referring to is this is balls they were playing with, right? That's right. Right, John? Yes. Well, John, looks like we can't answer that question
1: Geraldine? unless Todd's explanation <laughs> is what he's referring
5: <laughs> to. Right, I think I think uh, they were shellacked when people only could get a hold of one one baseball. They'd uh, oh. slap the shellac on, right. and maybe it would uh, hold them for the well, season. Well, rawhide
1: turns dark brown when you do right. that. So it seemed to be a natural color, but uh,
4: Lord, it's gone way now.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it is now. Did you
1: have a question for Leon Day or any of our other guests? No, thank
0: you. Well, thank you very much for your call, John. Uh, We'll try to get a better answer on that one of these days. But I guess Todd's right. Maybe that was just to hold them together a little bit longer because balls were, you didn't have that many in the olden days, right?
1: Now, when I found out that for a regular game in the American leagues, they prepare 144 balls. Yeah. That is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. How many balls did you all have before a game?
2: I don't know, maybe about three dozen.
1: Three dozen or so? Yeah. Okay. Now, Jackie Robinson's entrance into the major league certainly spelled the end for black baseball. Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson were both disappointed that they were not chosen to fulfill that destiny. Why do you think Jackie was the right man to integrate major
2: league ball? Well, I think he had played in in college. Mm -hmm. He played against the white boys in college, Mm -hmm. and he was a college graduate. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they took him.
0: Yeah, he seemed to have a lot of patience. He was yeah. able to take a lot of, a lot of stuff. But of course, Satchel yeah. said that it probably aged him considerably, yeah. uh, because he had to take a, a great deal of abuse. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I'm we
1: talked me. to uh, Gene Benson, I believe it was last week, and yeah. he remarked that what he said to Jackie was, "Where you're going is a lot easier than where you've come from."
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's when Jackie was thinking, "I, I don't know if I can do this." And uh, in the White Leagues. Well, he certainly did. You know, the world knows you as a, a soft-spoken gentleman who uh, won't toot his own horn. You know that, Leon? No, I don't. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's true. And many have said that because of this, uh, Cooperstown hasn't given you the honor that you so richly deserve. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Leon. Okay? All right. You better watch it. He's you got ready? a ball
1: in his pocket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i want to throw one of those needle balls. Why do you belong in the Hall of Fame?
2: Well, I think I belong in the Hall of Fame because I was a I was a pretty good ball player. Yeah, better than average. You know? <laughs> Better than average. <laughs> this
1: better is a man average. sitting here who holds so many league, so many yeah. records, right? That's what they're called records in the leagues. What was your most memorable moment in in ball? Uh,
2: opening day in nineteen forty six. And why? Well, I, I pitched a no hitter.
1: Pitched a no hitter opening day, nineteen forty-six. Oh, Who'd you play against?
2: Oh, Philadelphia Stars. Oh. Who was the first Benson.
1: batter? It sounds like he knows it yeah. all. <laughs> is that Gene? that's
0: Gene Benson's team, right? Yeah, Benson was there. Oh, I bet you he didn't like that. <laughs> 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 that's right. <laughs> now, friends, uh, we're gonna we got a couple more minutes, and I do want to get to uh, someone who has been a considerable help to me. You know, along the lines of. Uh, Baseball greats, friends. It's, it's, I'd like to wish my favorite ball player in the whole world, Babe Ruth, a happy birthday. And uh, you can join in the celebration, by the way, of his 97th birthday this February 6th at the Babe Ruth Museum at 216 Emory Street. From about 1130 to 1:30 that day, visitors uh, to the museum are going to be treated to champagne and cake. Leon, how about you and I going down and having some champagne and cake? Absolutely free. Okay. The cake, cake's going to be cut at 12 noon, and once again, the Babe Ruth Museum is located at 216 Emory Street in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, friends, one of the reasons why I mention that is we have in the studios a, a person Lee, by the name of Lee Sherman. Are you president of American Baseball Classics, Lee? That's right. That's right. I don't know how I guessed that. Now, the very first baseball shirt that I ever purchased was from Lee Sherman. It was Babe Ruth's. Babe Ruth's baseball shirt, number three, and a Babe Ruth hat. I liked his Babe Ruth hat so much I bought two of them, right? One with a signature. How did you get involved in this, Lee? Uh,
6: I guess just a lifelong uh, love of baseball and uh, decided to uh, uh, leave my career and uh, open a store selling baseball memorabilia. What was your career that you left? I'm an attorney.
1: Now that is a great story. You left law to open a baseball store. That's right. Tell me, when you were a kid, what position did you play?
6: Uh, a little first base, a little pitcher.
1: Hey, Leon, there's somebody. You know, you take him out back here and give him a few tricks. Maybe you can pick up a third career. Yeah,
0: yes, indeed. And is it? Tell me the truth now. Is it? Is it profitable? Is it almost as profitable as being a lawyer? Uh, well, I don't know about that, but it's a heck of a lot more fun. Yeah. Makes I your bet heart you glad. I bet you it is. Well, look, I've enjoyed going down there because he not only has hats and shirts and cards and books and a whole bunch of other stuff, but, I mean, it is, it's is—it's just wonderful to see all that material uh, in one place. Usually you got to go to a card shop to see this, and usually you got to go get a hat somewhere else, but it's all in one place. Mighty expensive uh, territory down there at the Inner Harbor, though, Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, we do You guys have to pay, pay rent. high rents. You guys pay high rents. Lee, <laughs> I
1: mean, let I me w- ask you, how do you decide what you're going to carry? I mean, there's so many options.
6: Well, we really try to get uh, things that are classic in uh, terms of baseball. It's part of our name, and it's really what we try to do. Uh, we look for uh, old black-and-white photographs, uh, just uh, whether it's uh, the major leagues or Negro leagues or, uh, or other things, um, and we offer... Uh, we also uh, emphasize the authenticity of our memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's really important. Has
1: the market changed much in recent years?
6: Well, I've only been in this for about a year, so I... Um, it's exploded in the last few years. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope it explodes very large. We
1: know the
0: Japanese love baseball. Explosion. Yes, indeed. Uh, you're not Japanese, though, Lee, right? <laughs> not, <laughs> right. I don't know how that got in there. Because
1: I was thinking of all the tourism business that goes uh, on. Ah,
0: yes. Now you also have. Uh, when I, one of the first times I talked with you, we talked about Leon Day.
6: That's right. Right. Uh, why is he one of your most favorite players in the world? Well, I met uh, Leon Day, I guess it was last June, uh, up in New York, and he autographed some things for us, and w- w- some of which we have in the store. And uh, it was at that time I just started to realize uh, how underappreciated he is as a ball player and definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no two ways about that. In fact, that.
1: Todd, maybe you can talk a little bit about what people can do to help be sure that Leon Day is in the Hall of Fame.
5: Well, uh, the the only way that he can get in the hall now is through the Veterans Committee. Uh, he is not eligible through the Baseball Writers Association and uh, the Veterans Committee has a quite a job of considering uh, former Negro League veterans, umpires, executives, 19th century players, and players that have been passed over by the Baseball Writers Association. And on this panel, unfortunately, there's only three former members of Negro League Baseball, Monty Irvin, Roy Campanella, and Buck O'Neill. So our efforts over the years have been to write to these uh, members of the Veterans Committee, which uh, I think there are 19 at present, and try to educate them about Leon's career and uh, also encourage them to listen to firsthand accounts of the three members of the committee who have seen him and can speak for him. And uh, So that's been our effort is is education because we feel once people are thoroughly educated, he, he's a shoe in Do you back, happen
1: to have an address that people could write to? I, uh,
5: I have the address list for, for each member. We we write them at the, their residence. So Okay, I, so and, if
1: people are interested in participating in that, they can write to us here, Hieronymus and Company.
0: Now, Leon, I heard uh, from about six different authors, so I don't know really very much. The problem is that you can read and read and read and not really know very much. You know, in, I'm sure you've Familiar with John Hallway's work and Jim Riley's work. Riley just absolutely adores you, as <laughs> you well know. Uh, and of course, uh, the, the, there are a number of other authors. Now, the thing that I wanted to emphasize here was that the Negro Leagues weren't just one league; there were a number of them, right? Yes, it was. Tell us a little bit about that in the few minutes that we have here, and of course you're going to be with us a few more minutes when we get into the second hour, as long as you want to stay with our other guests, but tell us about, how was it divided up?
2: Well, uh, the teams on the East Coast were the Negro National League.
0: I see. And the uh, teams out West was in the American
2: League, Negro American League.
0: Which was older, the American or the National?
2: I think the American League, I think, was older. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... The, the the ones on the East Coast comprised what teams? Uh,
2: New York Black Yankees, Cuban Stars, New York Eagles, Philadelphia Stars, Baltimore United Giants.
0: Mm hmm. All right. Now, and, the, and the Homestead Grays. Oh, well, the Homestead Grays. Boy, we can't forget them, right? Now, boy, that, that that's some interesting people. Uh, you, of course, mentioned the Newark Eagles. You had some very interesting owners of the Newark Eagles, right? Yes, Abe Manley was the owner. Yeah, and um, his wife, Effa? Effie. Effie, Effie, Effie. Effie was pretty particular, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Leave it to women to know what they want. Did she really insist on shining shoes and... Things oh like no, She no? wasn't that. No. Oh, she wasn't like that. She wasn't like that. You only like that, right, dear? Oh yes, <laughs> I insist
1: that you buff your tennis shoes every day. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Now, out, out west, further out west. We're actually, when we're talking about west, we're not talking about California right now. We're talking no, about Kansas City. Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. Right. In Kansas City, uh, what teams? What teams were out in that particular? Well, region?
2: Kansas City was the Kansas City Monarchs. Monarchs. Yeah.
0: The
2: Chicago Monarchs. American Giants and St. Louis Stars, and the Memphis Red Sox was in that. Oh, Memphis Red Sox. That league, and uh, a couple more teams, I can't remember. Birmingham.
0: There is Birmingham. Birmingham Blackbirds. Birmingham Orange. Barons, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's where Willie Mays played for a year, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah, indeed. All right, so we got about a minute left to go before we end our show tonight. Uh, that is this hour tonight, friends. Uh, one last question to Leon. Leon. In your opinion, what was the best team ever in Black and Negro League history? Newark the Newark Eagles. The Newark Eagles. I wonder <laughs> why he said that. I, <laughs> I think I think Effie must
5: have <laughs> him him given he didn't. you a phone call.
0: Well, friends, next hour we're going to talk with Monty Irvin. Oh, gosh. You know, all of us know about Monty Irvin as he played in the White Leagues, but did you know he had 11 years in the Negro Leagues? Only hitting a poultry uh, 390, 379, I think it was, somewhere around there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a, a player hitting three over 370? You did that. Did you do that, Leon? Yeah, did that. yeah Leon did, did that. You? I did that once in little league, yeah. but he did not. <laughs> yes, I did. I hit over 400.
1: You know he, what he always says to me when I say something? Let's see the proof. Let me see your stats. <laughs> well, okay,
0: dear. We're going to show you my stats next hour when we have Monty Irvin joining us. Leon's going to be here for a while as long as he wants. Todd, Lee, and Geraldine. Geraldine's got a good pitching arm herself. We'll be back in. Just... Catcher. She
1: caught Leon. She, did she really?
0: <laughs> good job. All right. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And
1: many other individuals were abundantly generous helping making Leon Day's day special. Leon is sitting here wearing his Newark Eagles shirt, custom made by Jerry Cohen's Ebbetsfield flannel and sporting a new Eagles hat, fr- Newark Eagles hat from Steve Valeri's Roman Ink. He's also waving his Newark Eagles pennant created by Sandlot Legends, courtesy of Neil Leister, and he's autographing... We have this man busy tonight. Oh, boy. Leon Day Baseball Cards, thanks to Dean Milani and Cat Ironwood at Eclipse Books, and painted postcards from the Negro League Baseball Players Association, Ron Lewis Collection, thanks to Richard Berg and Ed Schalder.
0: Now, it may sound like one long commercial to you, friends, but I believe strongly in supporting all those organizations and people who shed light on Negro League Baseball in America. You want to know why? Well, when you research the Negro League's, You'll find out why. You're going to discover many great ball players, yes, many, many players who should be in the Hall of Fame. And friends, you're really gonna cry when you learn of the adversities these great American sports heroes had to accept just to play ball in America. Poor wages, endless riding to games in cars and buses overnight, poor food if they could get it, sleeping in buses because no hotels would accept them, and abuse, yes, abuse that few white people would tolerate. They triumphed over all these detractions and still came out on top. And with God as our witness, we whites
1: have no idea how it felt to be considered a second or third class human being, and yet go out on the field, beat your opponents. The Negro Leagues were beating their white competitors so embarrassingly that the Baseball Commissioner Landis had to put a stop to it, which he did. And our hearts break when we read and hear the atrocities heaped upon our fellow Americans because of the color of their skin but we rejoice in their overcoming all of the prejudices and maltreatment in such a way that we are put to shame for our ignorance, stupidity, and bigotry. Black History Month is the appropriate time to review the great heroes of the game, many who have remained unrecognized by the nation at large. Bob and I have dedicated ourselves to righting some of the wrongs, and we encourage you to do that also by supporting the Negro League's Baseball Museum lake- located in Kansas City, Missouri. You can call them at 816 816- 221-1920. That's 816-221-1920 to find out how you can help.
0: Next hour, we'll be joined by the treasurer of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, Larry Lester, to discuss the history of the Negro Leagues in America. Please join the museum. Every prize given out tonight will include one of their brochures. And now we have uh, February 23rd to look forward to on WCVM because we're planning a three-hour special to focus on Baltimore's Negro Leagues, the Black Sox whose uh, hat Zoe and I wear, and the uh, light giants whose shirts we're wearing right now. And
1: our guest this hour is Hall of Famer Monty Irvin. Most of you recognize his name because of his record with the New York Giants, with whom he spent eight glorious years beginning in 1948. Monty led the New York Giants into the World Series in 1951, hitting 312 with 24 home runs, and in 1954, batting 329 with 21 home runs. In the 51 series, he batted 458, 11 for 24, but when Monty entered the white Majors, he was a 30-year- old rookie, having already acquired 11 seasons experience in the Negro Leagues with the Newark Eagles. His lifetime average in the Negro Leagues was 373, one of the highest lifetime averages ever recorded. Monty hit, "There we go, Thank you. Monty hit 395 and 41, and went on to serve four years in the Army, returning in 1946 to hit 394.
0: A measly 394 and there are some guys amazing in the Hall of Fame with 260 averages That's kind of amazing isn't it friends? Well, he was a great all-around player in fielding throwing hitting and was considered by many to have been a better choice Than Jackie Robinson to be the first black man to cross the color barriers until recently Monty worked for the Baseball Commissioner's Office of Public Relations elected to the Hall of Fame in 1973 Monty continues to serve on many committees and is also the president of the negro league ball players association located at 425 park avenue new york new york 10022 the nlbpa as they are known has issued a series of 30 gorgeous full-color postcards depicting the negro league stars designed by artist ron lewis Dion day was signing his ron lewis cards at city hall friday for as many fans boy there were so many fo- i couldn't believe how many people were there we have a videotape of one endless line. It was just wonderful. Uh, and he's also presented some of to us as prizes for tonight's and future shows. Welcome
1: to 21st Century Radio's Hieronymus and Company, where knowledge comes first, Monty. And say hello to your former teammate, Leon Day, about whom you've spoken literally in glowing terms for decades. Go right ahead.
0: Are you there, Are Monty? Are you there,
1: Monty? I
4: just want to say hi to you, and congratulations on a great... You know, a great ceremony. I understand that the uh, city of Baltimore really uh, uh, turned out and, and and really honored you. And, and, and I'm telling you, not in not you. They couldn't have honored a finer baseball player, a finer fella, uh, than a uh, finer friend than than, a, than, a, than a anybody could possibly want.
2: Thanks for Just happy Monty.
4: to have known you. I tell you, or, or to know you
3: now.
0: Thanks for that, money. Mm-hmm. Well, That's he's it. been pitching, pitching pretty good. He doesn't throw any needle balls at us yet tonight, money. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, in your opinion Monty why should Leon Day be in the Hall of Fame
4: Leon was one of the finest uh, all around ball players I've ever seen but mainly he was he was a, just a great great pitcher uh, when I say great pitcher uh, if, you, if one game you wanted to win you wanted Leon Leon Day out there on the mound because he had he was fast he had great control uh, he had a big heart and uh he could get the ball, you know, he could get the ball over the plate. And he'd battle you all your way until, uh, until uh, you know, the last man was out. I remember one game we were playing, and uh, we didn't, you know, we, we, we weren't hitting very much. So he said, you know, just give me one run. That's all I need. So we, we still floundered at the plate, so he went up and hit a home run himself and won his own ball game. He said, I'll fix you, you you know, you me, you mediocrity. <laughs> you remember that, league? <laughs> yeah. Who were you yeah. playing, Monty? Uh, I think we were playing Baltimore, Baltimore League Giants.
0: Oh. And,
4: uh, and uh, the other thing that what I liked about him so much, too, was the fact that uh, he had a great uh, – you know, pickoff move. He could uh, spin in a in a in a you know in, 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 in a in a in a half a second and pick out first base. He had a great move, and he could really feel his position. Mm-hmm. Now, one time, uh, you know, our, our, our center fielder hurt himself, and uh, so we didn't have anybody to put in. Leon said, "I can play it," and he went out and played center field for for, for four or five days better than our regular center fielder. <laughs> and another time, our second baseman got hurt and he went in and played better second base than the second baseman could. <laughs> he said he said I'll show you guys how to play and he sure did. That's why I'm saying he's one of the finest uh, all-around players I've ever seen. Now, you know, a lot of people talk about Martin Dehigo, you know, for for playing, uh, you know, different positions and mm-hmm. pitching and hitting and all. Um my, I'll take Leon uh I'll take Leon Day over anybody that I've ever seen as an all-around baseball player and I sincerely mean that.
1: Now, Monty, you've played in both the Negro and white leagues. Yes. Did they play the same kind of baseball?
4: Well, uh, uh, in the Negro leagues, we, we you know had a lot of talent, but we played more individual baseball. In the major leagues, you played you know you, it was a team effort. What I'm saying is, you know, a lot of hit and runs, uh, you know, uh, hit behind the runner, and you know, throwing to the right base and mm-hmm. backing up to you know the, the bases and so on. So it was a little the majors a little more organized that way. But once the the, the Negro leaguers uh, learned the major league way of doing things then, they, you know, was easy because uh, they had the native talent, all they needed to do was just train it a little bit.
1: Was there a difference in terms of the challenge afforded by both leagues, meaning which one was more challenging?
4: Oh, well, uh, you see in the Negro Leagues, we didn't we didn't face a good pitcher every day mm-hmm. and the major leagues you will now you've got to go out and you've got to you know, certain plays you've got to make every day. And, uh, if you're not, then and if you don't make them, then, uh, you know, he'll, uh, they'll, they'll find somebody else to put out there. And the two, you have to play on a, uh, a little more pressure, uh, because, you know, you've got uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the ballpark and, you know, you got the writers who are looking at you every day and so on. So you want to, uh, 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 perform well. So I would say the pressure is a little more in, in the major leagues than it was in, in the Negro Leagues. The Negro Leagues, if you didn't make the play, then, you know, it just I'll uh, make it next time. But uh, uh, the talent was there, and once those guys became uh, trained, it was easy, real easy.
0: As we noted last hour, black ball was tough. Pitchers threw at you, runners jumped on you and cut you pretty bad. Gene Benson last week told us that one of his uniforms was torn off by the cleats of a base runner.
4: Oh, that's true. They, 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 would, they would spike you and go out of the way to spike you. And the pitchers, you know, they didn't mind knocking you down. I mean, they didn't, you know, throw to, just to brush your back. Sometimes they threw to, you know, knock your brains out. So you had to kind of watch that, too. In fact, what we had to do, we had to learn how to duck before we learned how to, how to, learn how to hit. That was, the, you know, that was a saying. Mm. Learn how to get out of the way of the mm-hmm. ball, mm-hmm. and uh, some of because some of those uh, pitchers were you know pretty vicious, and uh, they threw it really well so much until he went out and found a miner's cap one, uh, one, one day and came to the ballpark and, and used it in a game. I think it was the first. That was the beginning of, of helmets, but uh, 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 it, it, it was it was tough like that. You know, some of the fields that we played on were not as good. You know, and and and. Uh, you know, the treatment all, all, all around wasn't nearly as good as it was in the majors. You know, the traveling, and of course, you know, we had to uh, uh, catch a sandwich or eat, uh, get a meal wherever we could. So it was tough like that. But uh, again, uh, those same guys that, uh, you know, we played in the Negro Leagues, you know, guys like Joe Black and Junior Gilliam and all the rest of Mays and myself and all the rest of Ernie Banks, and, you know, Hank Aaron. Once we got to the majors it was it became easy because we had already been through the hard knocks
7: yeah, all we
4: had to do then was just you know do the right thing because uh, uh, uh it was it was easier then because you know you, you got in a in the habit of, of playing one way and which was the you know the right way it was easy
2: Leon had something to say there huh? oh my
4: yeah
2: I never threw you did it.
4: No, 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 just just, uh, <laughs> just four or five times, uh, uh, every time you face me in Puerto Rico. And <laughs> <laughs> one time I asked him, I said, well, why are you throwing at me? I said, I'm only hitting 220, so I don't want you to start. <laughs> <laughs> true story <laughs> yeah Conte. in,
1: in, in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico oh. <laughs> and of course you probably both remember what year what day the time of the day
4: yeah that's right
1: it was about 2 30 about in the afternoon oh yeah I remember that
4: <laughs> I don't
1: that. Let me ask you, there's been a lot of comparisons made between Satchel Paige and Leon Day. Yeah. How are these two players alike? And I'm understanding I'm being told we have to go to a break. Is yeah, we're right? going to have
0: to go to a break, and we'll let Monty think about this one because he's probably going to have to study up on it. Right, Monty? Okay. You study up on that question, and we'll be right back after we sell everything we possibly can to everybody out there in Baltimore.
1: Monty, you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. Now we asked you before the break. There, there have been a lot of comparisons made between Satchel Paige and Leon Day. How were they both alike, and how were they different? And who, in your opinion, was a better player, and in what way?
4: Well, uh, alike, I'll give, I'll give you the, the the sameness of them. Okay. Both of them were real good competitors. They were stingy. That mean that meant that you don't you didn't get many runs off them. Both of them threw very hard, and. Uh, you know, uh, you 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 could figure if you got one or two runs off them, then you you were lucky. Uh, Leon was a much better hitter, much better fielder, and had a much better uh, pickoff motion uh, than, than Satchel. Uh, not you know that Satchel wasn't you know a, a, a didn't have a good one. You couldn't you know first of all you had to get on first ones on off uh, off, uh, off Satchel because uh, he was a strikeout pitcher, and uh, so, uh, both of them—it's just a paper-thin difference, you know—in in their in their ability. Uh, both uh, had uh, played a very long time, and both of them were, you know, just real stars uh, in the Negro League. Now, Satchel, of course, he came up early, got a lot of publicity, and uh, always did what he said he was going to do. Uh,
1: what do you mean by that?
4: What I when I said that say that I mean I mean I mean I mean this. He would come out sometime, or, or even put it in the paper sometime. He'd say, uh, "I'm going to be real stingy today." In fact, he said, "I'm not giving up anything." And uh, he went out and did that a few times, and the papers picked that up. And uh, he never—he almost never disappointed. And he told, in fact, he told Josh one time. He said, "The uh, big man," he says, "you know, uh, just because we play on the same team doesn't mean that." Uh, you know that uh, I'm I'm not the, I'm not I'm not I'm not you know I'm not the best I'm not the best of the you know the, the best of the, of the of the two of us and uh, <laughs> he, uh, Joshua what are you talking about? He said, well I'm going to teach you who the boss is. Ooh. And uh, he he uh, he got two outs bases and uh, walked the bases full to get just to get to Josh <laughs> and and threw him I think he threw him three pitches you know and uh, so you know, again. That proves that you know he was just a terrific, you know, uh, competitor and always did what he said. Now, on the other hand, Leon was quiet and got the job done too. You know, so we said, "Lee, how do you feel?" He said, "Well, just give me a run, and that's all I need." Like, that's that's the you know that's that's kind of guy uh, guy kind of he was mm-hmm. quiet but very efficient and would always get to get the job done for you.
1: Well, I can see Leon sitting here, all these thoughts going through his mind. He's smiling, but he's not saying a word. Yeah, well,
4: I know he, he's that he's that type. You know, he 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 would never say you know brag on himself or you know, was let somebody else.
1: Did you ever sing with him? Excuse me. Did you ever sing with him? I oh, hear he's yeah. a nice yeah. singing voice.
4: Yeah, I was on a I was a member of the quartet. Oh yeah?
1: oh yeah, who was the other? Who were the other members? Well, we had
4: uh uh, Lynn Pearson and Len Hooker, Day and myself.
1: Do you have any recordings of the time?
4: No, but uh, we could sing, I tell you. Oh. Hey, maybe
1: we can engage you two right now. I said to Leon, let's hear you sing. <laughs> yeah, Take we should
4: me sing. We have to. Our favorite, favorite song was I Had a Dream Dear. Hey,
1: can you sing it? Come on, Leon. I Had <laughs> a
4: Dream Dear. God. You had one too, you know. Uh-huh. And I tell you, we, we'd sing that Todd song. Todd knows that
1: song. Todd, yeah. you know that song? Come <laughs> on, sing with Monty. One round. You
4: Leon in there. He needs... <laughs> yeah, Leon. No, yeah. I tell, tell you, Will, we'll, when I come up we'll there in April, we'll sing it
0: for you. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> I'd love that. Good. We'll have everyone on the radio and we'll all sing it together. And ask some questions of some, some real great players, including myself, because I batted 402 in the little leagues. It gets a little <laughs> more
1: every time you say it, right, no, dear? It was
0: 402. <laughs> All right, so it was three at bats. And in your mind. <laughs> something like that.
1: Let me ask you, Monty, when did Cooperstown Hall of Fame in New York finally begin admitting Negro League players?
4: 1971. Satchel Page was the first.
1: And who else has been admitted so far?
4: Well, you got, uh, uh, you got Josh.
1: Josh Gibson, Gibson uh-huh.
4: Buck Leonard, Cool Papa Bell.
1: Uh, he's the guy that said day had smoke.
4: yeah, that's right. Uh, you got Oscar Charleston, you got John Henry Lloyd you, uh, you got uh, the great uh, Cuban player, Martin Martin de Higo, Ray danders and myself from uh, that were voted in from the Negro League and mm-hmm. Judy Johnson and Judy Johnson
0: yeah Ruth oh, Foster. Yeah. Rube Foster. Rube Foster yeah. Oh yeah, we can't forget Rube Foster. All right, that's for yes. sure. Uh, as a matter of fact, we touched on Rube Foster uh, last hour. Did you? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. stopped in to say hello. All right. <laughs> yeah,
4: tell me he's some kind of pitcher, and uh, you know, just a great manager.
0: Indeed. Indeed. He Did his
4: own publicity.
0: Well, I'm telling you, some of the publicity uh, that they certainly we could learn a few things uh, these days about the kind of publicity that was done in the Negro leagues. I love those. Uh, those poles, those lights that the, what was it, the Kansas City Monarchs put together, but it could only be 15 feet up, right? Yes, right. They didn't okay. have interconnecting poles at that time. Yeah. Something to that effect.
1: Monty, before we ask you some other specifics about the leagues and the Hall of Fame, we asked uh, Leon one of his, what was his most memorable memory? I guess I, You don't say yeah. that, do you? That's Just good his enough. greatest memory in baseball. How about for yourself? What's the most wonderful thing you remember about the game?
4: Well, uh, you mean in the Negro League? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I don't know. I guess when we won the, with the championship in, the, in the 1946, uh, that, that was just a uh, you know terrific uh, feat for us because of I think it was the first time we've been the world champions and we beat the Kansas City Monarchs that year. And uh, you know, uh, we only got uh, I think uh, two hits, but, uh, and, and, but scored three runs. I think we beat them three to two. That was just a great, great thrill because the first time we'd
0: ever done it. Monty, we touched on something else that was important concerning the Hall of Fame and how black players are admitted. Uh, Todd Bolton touched on it, but I'd like to get into that again because um, we always have new listeners during the second hour. How are black players admitted to the Hall of Fame? Could you explain what this procedure you is? I mean, it
4: the was there playing in the Negro League. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, we got the veterans committee. You see, you used to have a what they call a Hall of Fame committee for Negro, you know, for, uh, for 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 the Negro leagues, but that committee was disbanded, and the duties was taken over by the uh, veterans committee. Now we're going to meet on the seventeenth of, uh, of, uh, of of the 17 members on seventeenth of of That's March. March in Tampa, and uh, uh, each 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 of uh, uh, each person eligible, and Leon is one of them. And of course, we you know we're hopeful that we'll be able to, you know, to uh, to get him in. We we, we we came close last year, and uh, we we hope to get the job fully done this year. Uh, each each person is uh, you know is discussed around the table by each person you know by each each member, and you 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 know you can. Uh, uh, say, you know, whatever you want about the the player that's uh, in contention. And uh, the thing about it, uh, most of the time, you see, it's only Roy Campanella, Buck uh, Buck O'Neill, and myself. We're the only ones that are able to talk about Leon, you Mm -hmm. see. And, uh, of course, uh, we're unanimous in our praise for him. And we hope to, uh, you know, to be able to to get, I think, to get the 14 out of the 17 votes in order to do it. Mm. So we're very hopeful for, for this year,
0: well, we, but his,
4: his name will be prominently uh, displayed and discussed.
0: Well, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but do you think do you think that the procedure is a fair and just one?
4: Well, uh, i you know uh, you know uh, I don't know whether it's it's the fairest way to do it. I think probably the way that we you know uh, did it at the beginning was you know to have the uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, for Negro leagues, I think was probably the best way. That's because all those uh, men that were on that committee uh, had seen you know, most of the hall of famers, you know, the, uh, the potential hall of famers play, knew their records, and, and, and uh, see, you have to go a lot on on, uh, on, on, on hearsay uh,
3: mm-hmm.
4: because uh, uh, there's no records. That makes it very very difficult. Yeah. So, uh, but. Uh, we make sure that uh, you know that uh, that everything to be known is, is, is known, and, and then it's up to the uh, the other members of the committee to uh, to go along with it. That's what it, that's what it boils down to.
0: Well, in the case of Leon Day, how can we and our listeners support his candidacy? Is there anything we really can do?
4: Well, you can write to uh, to to the Hall of Fame members uh, uh, on the Veterans Committee and. and send them brochures and write-ups and the thing that you did the a couple of days ago, you know, honoring Leon in, uh, in Baltimore. And uh, Todd Bolton put together some 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 uh, statistics and 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 uh, and some literature, some information about how great he was. And then with our you know being there to sanction it, this is the best way to do it.
0: Well, we're certainly going to submit everything that we have, uh-huh. and, but we still have a lot more stuff to come yet. We can't well, wait. Well, that's
4: fine, Bob. Keep doing it, would you?
0: Yeah, well, indeed we're going to keep doing it, uh, as long as we can stay on the air. We're yeah, we, keep need, doing we it.
4: need all the help that we can get.
0: Well, so, so when we gather our information, do we send it to each one of the members on the committee? Yeah, or,
4: you, you can send it to... Uh,
0: and that's 17 of them? You,
4: yeah, you can send it to, uh, to, to uh, Ed Stack up there at the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And then he'll distribute it to
0: the... Uh, All right. Well, we'll to put the, together uh, 17 videos numbers. and 17 everything else's and send them on up to Ed Stack because they really should take a look at what's going on down here in Baltimore. We just can't wait to to, to uh, wait until we uh, see exactly what the governor's going to be doing for Leon Day in the state of Maryland, not just the city of Baltimore. Uh-huh. And, uh,
4: but that, that, that's, that's terrific. I think that's, that's so good.
0: Well, th- well. It's so good to be able to do this kind of thing. It makes us all feel like we're doing something, rectifying uh, uh, an injustice that uh, really is very long and standing. Uh, Could you name some other black ball players who also deserve the Hall of Fame honor?
4: Well, the first one, of course, that comes to mind is is, is, uh, Willie Wells. Never a better shortstop ever lived than Willie Wells. Why is that? Because uh, he's like a cat, and uh, he... He uh, was was a great fielder, great going back on the ball, and he was a good hitter. He was he he, he would hit he would have hit about three twenty five, three thirty in the major league. But but his, but his, but his, his fielding is, is what was so terrific. I saw Josh knock him down with the ball one time, and he got up and threw him out. That's you know that's yeah. how hard the, the ball was hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he'd come out of nowhere and catch a ball and throw you out. He he was he, unbelievable. Then you they like got a pitcher by the name of Raymond Brown was terrific. He could, you know, it's like Leon. He could pitch, and then he could, you know, he could hit, and play really outfield. He yeah, he's you know he's a great ball player.
2: Absolutely. Then
4: you got then you had Turkey Stearns. He was a terrific outfielder, run like a deer, and great power, and, and uh, you know just a great ball player. Then you got Mule Suttles. He you know big first baseman. We used to call him the Babe roof of uh, you know. Uh, Great curveball hitter and, and, and uh, unbelievable power. A lot of the, the the white stars used to ask me, uh, you know, about me. Who asked me if you know if I knew him? I told them when I broke in, I you know he was on on the club. And then you got uh, uh, Smokey Joe Williams, oh. uh, another one. Uh, he he was very fast and uh, he was the he was the, he was the black <clears throat> Walter Johnson, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: He was just a great, great pitcher, and then you know there's some others. That Sounds that, that,
0: like you got dozens of them that belong. Yeah, you, know, you, you got you
4: got them. You got maybe 15 guys that really just. I'm talking about truly great stars. Uh, Sandtop, a sand top catcher was, uh, you know, like Josh. He could hit and he could throw, and he was big and rugged. Played for a long time, and then there was Biz Mackey. You know, the, the fellow who taught uh, Roy Campanella how to used to play there with the Baltimore Black Sox. And he played with the Hildales, and he managed there. To, and managed the Elites. Taught Campy all that he knew about the, about, the, about catching, and that's why Campy was, got off to such a great start because he had a great uh, teacher, at this. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know Dick Lundy. You can just keep naming them on and on. If these men, not the, you know that the, the today's uh, um, players are not great. But if the, I'm talking about these, these men we're talking about were truly superstars who enjoyed playing because, you know, you, you had to love it because they didn't make much money. And uh, they did it for the love of the game and, the, you know, to please themselves and please the fans.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they certainly did that. There's no two yeah. ways about it. Yeah. And Unbelievable. Well, I'm just so sorry. I didn't get a chance to see all those great players play. Was was uh, the, the Willie... The really, Willie Wells? really Wells. Was he the bow legged?
4: Yeah, and so yeah. was Dandy. Yeah, yeah, and, and he, he, both he and Dandridge. Uh Dandridge was was quite bow legged, but uh, Wells not as much. But uh, and both of them were, were, you know, about five nine or five ten. But could they play? It was like a, you know, uh, we had a dream infield. Yeah, that Cause was you the... could you could hardly shoot a ball through there, with the infield that we had.
0: They called it the million-dollar infield.
4: Yeah, all oh, was terrific.
0: Who was part of that infield before we take our break? Well,
4: you got Dixie Seay.
0: Yeah.
4: And Mule settles. and then after Mule uh, got old and retired, and they had Len Pearson, who was a bunch—you know, was a couldn't hit like a uh, Mule, but he, you know, much better fielder.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, you know, terrific, terrific infield. Yeah. Then we had a guy by the name of Leon Ruffin, catching, who, just like Campy, had a great arm, quick release and threw strikes to second, you know, to, to all the bases.
0: Who was that one player that had a rocking chair, the catcher that... That led? was Pepper Bassett. Why was he in the rocking chair?
4: Well, that was part of his flair, you know. He, he, uh, he'd do that to, to, to attract, uh, you know, uh, attention to, uh, you know, the, to the fans, and then they'd come out to see him do that, and, uh, you know, he'd sit back in there and then throw a strike, cast a ball and then throw a strike to second base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, had to had to, they did all kinds of promotion to get people to come out. Then they used to play that that shadow ball. You know, you take infield practice with with, the, with no baseball, and uh, that was something to behold.
2: Whoa! Yeah,
4: and then and then uh, uh, they played pepper. Some of the guys would would keep the every time you hit the ball to them, they 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 would keep the ball for about the, about thirty seconds, just fooling around with it. You know, it had all kind, you know, rolling over the on the heads behind the backs and then flip it over to the next guy so so they did did all that to uh, to attract people and then people used to flock to to see them well
0: well we're going to need to take a pause here and when we come back we've got a big question and no one won that last one i can't believe it all those calls and nobody hit it on the head well that's tough that's the way it goes friends we're going to take a break when we come back We'll be uh, talking some more with Monty Irvin, Leon Day, Todd Bolton, Lee Sherman, Doctor Bob, Geraldine, and everybody else that's in the studio that's hanging around. Okay, all right. Now Todd brought up something that was very important, and we wanted to mention that. Todd, what were you? What were we saying in that break there?
5: Well, Monty, you had mentioned uh, earlier about the uh, difference between the Negro Leagues and, and Major League play, and saying that. Uh, Day after day, you didn't always face the best pitching. And I was just pointing out to Bob that, of course, in the Negro Leagues, there were only 60 to 80 league games per year. And on the off days, you all were playing, uh, picking up semi-pro games wherever you could. And that that your statement was not uh, a negative statement regarding Negro League pitching. It was regarding the fact that you didn't have league competition day after day like you did in the major leagues. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we clarified that yep did you
0: have anything else to add there on that one money
4: well no uh i think uh todd he he, he you know he explained it uh, perfectly um you know but you know some of them some of the uh semi-pro teams you know had real good uh, pitchers and uh uh we you know we and, and against us you know they would uh they would throw you know the best that they had They you know it's the black-white situation, they always try to beat the black, you know, white team try to beat the black team and vice versa. So, you know, it was a, like a natural uh, rivalry kind of a situation.
0: Monty, could you get a little closer to your microphone there? Yeah,
2: okay, how's that? Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's, great.
0: that's great, that's great. Yeah, now we can hear you, now we can even hear you sing a little bit better. <laughs>
2: yeah, okay. You know, all right, you know,
0: <laughs> before this hour closes there I and mean, yeah. every line is lit up there, and they're all trying desperately to win that prize. I, you know, that's the way it goes. You think they're going to win it, Leon?
2: Oh, yeah, somebody will win it.
0: You think so? Well, I don't know. Sometimes our folks out there don't take enough notes, and we, we desperately tell them they better take notes. We tell them to keep their feet flat on the floor, eyes straight ahead, no talking, and take notes. That's how they should listen to the show. Right, Leon? Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, the NLBPA, the Negro League Baseball Players Association. What is
6: it, Monty?
4: Well, it's an association that was founded by Ed Shouter and, and Richard Berg, and uh, just you know, just out of um, because they're great fans, and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Shout of course, is a lawyer, and uh, Richard Berg, he writes music. You know, just private citizens very interested in, in, in the Negro Leagues, and so uh, the association was founded, and and. Uh, it's now we're trying to help uh, all the you know the members uh, you know the guys who used to play. Uh, I guess maybe I guess maybe 150, 200 still alive, and all of them around 65, 70, uh, you know, 80, 90 years old.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, so uh, I've, I've I've become the president, to try to help out a little bit, you know, get a little publicity and and and, and raise some money for them and we're doing a pretty good job. We're also receiving. A lot of help from uh, from Bat. That's the baseball assistance team. That's headed by uh, Ralph Branca and Joe Garagiola. They've given Ooh. us a lot of help, and they've helped a lot of the players too. I'm talking about, you know, players who uh, didn't not you know that didn't have any health care. Some of the guys who never made very much money. They need some help. So uh, they're being helped, and we hope to uh, give them some more help by all the things that uh, that's being done. And, and Bob, let me just say this. Yes, sir. By your, you know, uh, pitching in and helping, and you know, of course Todd, he's been doing, you know, been helping for so many years now. This all gives the the, the fellows in the league uh, some publicity, and uh, uh, now we we funds are starting to come in, and we're very we're very appreciative uh, of what you're doing, and uh, we just I just want you to thank you, and you know. Uh, by telling you this.
0: Well, that's very kind of you, but really, uh, uh, it's a great joy to, for us to do this. It really is. I'm just very happy that Zoe and I are on the air and can talk about this uh, material because, unfortunately, I don't know why other talk show hosts and other people within the media don't pay attention to this. It's very short-sighted of them, maybe because they just, uh, their backgrounds are too limited. Now, let's go to line one, please. Line Hello, one, please. Edward.
1: Hello. Go right ahead. Do you have a question for someone? Well, I have, for
7: Leon here, does you recall Bugle Field? Oh.
2: Y- yes, I do.
7: Uh, <laughs> you recall at the end of the season you had the all-star game between the, uh, uh, the uh, ex something I mean, some of the Orioles and some of the major league players like Jimmy Fox, Dizzy Dean, Central yes. Page, throwing against Dizzy Dean. Oh, you recall that?
2: Yes, I remember
7: Remember, one to nothing, Dean would beat him, that he'd turn back next week and beat Dean one to
4: nothing? Right.
7: Is that right? Right. I got it on target. Now, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it show that Satchel Page one day called the airfield in and got him out?
2: Is that true? I heard he did, but I never saw it. All right. I heard he
7: did. Or did he say he him like peas a little round the knees, a little over here, a little over there? Yeah. He said, uh, he said that too, didn't he? Yeah, he said he was throwing grains of rice. Well, I pitched on that baseball. I met back in 1937 in the nighttime ball game. I won 7-2. to two. Well, You pitched? I was a soccer ball thrower. I could throw that soccer. Oh, yeah. But my fastball was too slow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, God bless, uh, Brother Leon. Oh, thank
0: you for calling, Ed. Yeah. Well, my heavens, uh, I, Ed, Ed knows a lot about angels. You know Edward? Edward's a... No, you don't know Edward? Well, we know Edwin, and he's quite a guy. I mean, he actually uh, he he knows a great deal about angels. We're very great fans of him. I don't mean I'm not talking about California Angels or those, no, other baseball teams like that, but we're talking heavenly about angels. heavenly angels, Zahara right? angels. Yeah, like my my wife over here. Every now and then. Okay, <laughs> I got kind of lost here. Uh, there are some other callers uh, coming in there, and we're not going to be able to get to them. No, we're not. All right, well, we got five minutes left to go, and we're going to try to cram it full of uh, a bunch of thises and thatses. Let's go back to Leon. You still there, Leon? Yes, sir. Leon, you and Monty.
2: Uh, Monty what, what what position did Monty play? Monty when played, work? Mostly outfield. Outfield? He played a little shortstop, too. Yeah. Monty, sure.
4: Outfield within the majors. I played uh, uh, infield and outfield uh, yeah, in the Negro Leagues for the Eagles.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, when these uh, two folks, you were how many years apart in age? Oh, well,
4: three no. or
0: four. Just three or four? <laughs> <laughs> no,
4: about about three years. No, about two years. Yeah, two
0: about years. Now two. two years apart. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that that actually, uh, you kind of like uh, were were either of you mentors of one another, or what?
4: Either one of us what?
0: Mentors of one another.
2: Well, I learned a lot from Leon. Yeah.
0: What about you, Leon?
2: I learned a little from him, too. What'd you learn? Well, I learned how to draw a little bit, and he's a pretty fast guy to be so big. Yeah, yeah. I, I just could beat him running, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a big guy, too. He could move.
1: Hey, Monty, when you were a kid, did you think you were going to grow up to be a ball player?
4: Well, I knew I was going to be a baseball player, but I didn't ever think I was going to get to the majors. See, we couldn't aspire to uh, to play in the majors because it was, uh, you know, it was a closed thing then. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, the what, what really hurt some of the black youngsters. Today, from day one,
3: you know, you can aspire
4: to be a major league. You can aspire to to making, uh, you know, five million dollars a year, because uh, you know, there are no barriers. Thanks to Jackie Robinson, no barriers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and all the uh, sports. Well, we got a couple of minutes left here, and I wanted to turn the microphones over to Leon, to Monty, Todd, and maybe even Lee, if we got enough time to wrap it up this hour, because I know it's it's time for us to get ready for our third hour, third inning, our third inning. But didn't Satchel Page only pitch three innings uh, at a time? Is that right?
2: Some games, yeah,
0: riding. yeah, the, the, to, to draw in the crowd, right. right? Okay, well, that'll be our third inning, next inning. Leon, what would you like to leave our uh, Baltimore and actually Maryland listeners? Uh, with uh, tonight,
2: well, I want to thank them for uh, giving me a day, and uh, I hope everybody good luck. And are
0: that's what going, I it. Are you going to uh, the opening day at the Memorial New Stadium? I may go. You may go.
2: Yes, I may go.
0: I hope you go. Uh, you may be needed down there for a couple of reasons. <laughs> All right. Monty, what would you like to leave our Maryland listeners with? Tonight?
4: Well, uh, well, again, in honor of Leon, you, you honored baseball, you know, one of baseball's best in any era. And uh, the, the most remarkable thing about uh, uh, those old players who never got a chance to play is the, is the lack of bitterness. They oh. said, well, that's the way it was. We, what we've done, we hope we've made a contribution, and we hope we've... You know, kind of paved the way for those who come after us. Mm-hmm. That's a great attitude to have, and uh, most of them have this this kind of uh, attitude.
0: I'll say, when I listened to the, so many recordings of the players, it's what kept kept me. Uh, literally, I cried. I yeah. cried
5: when I heard them because of all the abuse they received, and look what happened, Todd. Well, I just I just like to congratulate you, Bob, on uh, your endeavors here. This is wonderful, and also uh, congratulate you on. Bringing two of the greatest uh, Negro League players in history together for this opening show because you have them right here, in uh, Leon Day and Monty Irvin.
0: Well, thank you very much. Obviously, uh, I've taken advantage of the. I've taken advantage of you guys. You guys. I want to know when I get my <laughs> pitching lesson. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I want to know when I get my batting lesson. I want to get back up to four hundred two, Monty. You think you could teach me?
4: Oh yeah. All right. Oh
0: yeah. Well, look, we ref- look forward to having you on again, Monty, especially uh, sometime in April. Yes. Uh, for the, uh, uh, let's see, the Ben Taylor Memorial Fund. Yeah. We'd like you and Todd to stop on by and talk to us uh, the, the week before that. I know we got to stop here. Friends, we'll be back next hour with uh, Larry Lester and the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum out there in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, right? Right. Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Monty. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Geraldine. And thank you, Baltimore. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Thank you, Bob.